Welcome to The Pulpit, the sermon podcast of Calvary Moravian Church. My name is Pastor Chaz Snyder, and I hope you'll use this recording to grow deeper in God's Word and help you on your spiritual journey. Good morning, everyone. Our epistle lesson is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. For the word of the For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the, meek, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your call, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring into nothing things that are, so that no human being might so that no human might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Therefore it is written, Let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel passage is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on a mountain, and he sat down. His disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So, for so men persecuted the prophets which were before you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. we have the opportunity now to go to God in quiet meditation and prayer. 
So let us quiet our hearts and our minds as we enter into the presence of God. Redeeming God, you come to us in the person of Christ. You have come to rescue us from slavery and to lead us out of captivity. So guide us. Guide us by the wisdom of your cross. And show us how to live a life of justice, of love, and of blessedness. So God, we turn to you now knowing that your wisdom surpasses our understanding. So help us to grow as people, as people who bless others. And so God, now we offer you our prayers, prayers for the church, for our community, and for our world. God, we pray for those who mourn. May they know the comfort of your abiding presence. We pray for the meek. May they receive the goodness of your earth. We pray for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. May they be filled with your goodness. We pray for those who are merciful. May they also receive mercy. We pray for the pure in heart, that they may see you face to face. We pray for the peacemakers. May they be recognized as your children. We pray for those who are persecuted for the sake of our righteousness. May they know the protection of your realm. And God, we turn our hearts to you, opening ourselves up. So hear the cries of our heart. Hear the prayers for those who are close to us. Prayers for healing and comfort. Prayers for guidance. Lord, we turn to you with the request of our hearts now. So God, we rejoice this day and give you thanks for the many blessings of this life, for the gift of heaven, which is even ours in this moment. So may we have the wisdom to pursue your truth and the courage to do what is right and holy. And God, now as we turn to your word, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing to you, 
here and now. And we ask all of this in the name of Christ, who is our light and our life. Amen. So today's gospel lesson introduces us to something that we might be used to hearing in the church, and that is the Beatitudes, a list of blessings that Jesus gives. And they are a laundry list of promises that Jesus gives, but frankly, most of them are not the kind of promises that we might prefer to have. Rather than hearing, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, I know I often might rather hear, you just won't mourn. Rather than hearing, blessed are the peacemakers for righteousness' sake, it might, rather, it might be easier to hear, you shall not be persecuted. And as I was preparing this sermon uh, today, I was, one of the authors I was reading presented what he called the business-as-usual Beatitudes. And I think this list is kind of funny, but also kind of true to when we think about how we might prefer to hear the Beatitudes, or maybe a better way to say it, these Beatitudes might be more accurate to the way we think the world that we inhabit works. And they go like this. Blessed are the rich in all things and in self-assurance. Blessed are those who are untouched by loss. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the crafty and opportunistic. Blessed are those who are realistic and compromise at every turn. Blessed are those who are bold enough to get what they deserve. Blessed are those who receive the many accolades. Blessed are those who are widely praised and adored. Now, this may seem a little bit ridiculous, but these beatitudes might be how we think the world works. If our world were to present how they might see the Beatitudes, this might be the list that they give. But they aren't the list that we heard today. It's not the list that Jesus gives in the Gospels. So that begs us to ask the question, what are these very odd blessings that Jesus gives us? And what do they mean? Especially what do they mean for us today. In Eugene Peterson's first draft of the message, which was his ambitious single-person biblical paraphrase or translation, he originally translated the word that we often translate as blessed as lucky, and his editor, editors nixed this bold idea pretty quickly because they could not quite swallow the idea that the poor and the meek would be considered lucky. It is interesting to think about if that was the right move or not by those editors. Because luck has some pretty strong connotations. And a few of those meanings are often, not are often not related to anything that is holy. We think of gamblers who rely on luck. Some people think our fate rests on luck. Some, uh, someone who doesn't send someone off by saying God bless might say good luck as they leave. But do these two things really mean the same thing? They do get us thinking, though. They get us thinking about these Beatitudes and how they might change our way we see the world. Other translations of the Beatitudes use the word happy instead of blessed. This is how the Common English Bible translates it. 
And we can certainly, it certainly magnifies this paradox, this paradoxical nature of these pronouncements that Jesus makes. In the Good News Bible, Jesus seems extremely cheerful as he promises, happy are those who mourn, for God will comfort them. The original Greek word that is translated as blessed often can mean honored or favored, which also gets at this, nature, this paradoxical nature. Why is Jesus telling us that those who mourn, those who, are, those who are persecuted, are honored or favored. We should, why should those who, uh, who are the, seemed like the least of these be considered honored or favored? These translations definitely can jar us a little bit, can cause us to think, uh, it can cause us to think differently about how the Beatitudes are presented but it gets at something true about these blessings. And one of the more uh, shocking translations, I think, for uh, blessed in these Beatitudes comes from a French translation that translate the word blessed as debonair, which when you say debonair are the peacemakers, it conjures up this image of Jesus saying these things in a tuxedo or a three-piece suit but we often, because we often think that word just means stylish or suave, but the word literally means of good disposition. Another way we might say it in English is simply content. Content are those who mourn. This is also something that seems to totally contradictory to say in English, but it is what the Beatitudes challenge us to. They challenge the way our world works. And we often wrestle with this challenge of this text. Because if given a choice, a grieving family member would often choose to have their loved one back than to see it as an opportunity to be comforted in their mourning. But what the Beatitudes can offer is a picture of the kind of faith that Jesus is offering to us. He's offering us one He's offering us insights into this backwards and upside down kingdom of God. And I think the Beatitudes give us one of the best poetic expressions of our faith. But as we have seen, there is a challenge to them. See, this portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is a challenge to think outside the box of how we often do in our world today. We are challenged about how we present the problems of the world. Because in this passage, not only are we given insight in the, into the kinds of things that we should pay attention to in the world, Jesus is showing us that the way of the world is not the way of his kingdom. The family of God operates by a different set of rules. But we are also challenged to hear and to express the difficulties of our world in new ways. We're invited into the process, the redeeming process of the world, of redefining what blessedness and success look like. We offer, operate by a different set of rules. And this is at the heart of his radical message on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is clear, he is precise, Jesus makes it so clear and memorable for his hearers 
the poetic power behind his words. He expresses exactly who is blessed in God's kingdom. And it is the least of these. It is not what we expect it to be. Which tells us something about ourselves too. It tells us that we don't have to have it all together. That our blessedness from God is not contingent, is not contingent on how we operate in the world. It tells us that our striving after God is not based on our success, however we define success. See, every culture has a different definition of what success might mean. In Jesus' time, success meant one thing. It may have meant freedom from the domineering rulers or the oppressive tax collectors or the power-hungry soldiers of the first century. And I'm sure in the first century it would have included things like uh, providing for one's household, having health and prosperity. This is what success looked like. Maybe being savvy in the marketplace. And we have a definition of success in our world today too. It would also include things like providing for our families, health, prosperity. But success in our culture also has other connotations that are maybe not as benevolent. Things like accumulation of wealth, respect of one's neighbors and peers, sheer popularity or recognition for popularity's sake, prestige. Often, who are, often those who are successful by the ways of the world, we know got there by less than ideal means. And we have all kinds of messages that bombard us constantly from a young age to when we are adults, about what success means, what it means to be a successful person, and all the things that we can buy to help us get there. And yet, in the Beatitudes, we are reminded of something very different. We are reminded of a different set of criteria for what it means to be blessed in the kingdom of God. We are invited and challenged to another way. It reminds me of the Robert Frost poem that many of us have probably heard before. And it goes, part of it goes like this. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverge in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You see, the path that Jesus offers the path that is laid out in the Beatitudes, may not look as appealing as other paths. It may not look like the path of success in our world today. It may be the less traveled path. But step by step, we learn that following Jesus, even if we are met with obstacles, leads us to a joy that no one and nothing can take away. So today, as we look at the paths before us, I challenge you to take the path of the Beatitudes, to take the one that may be less traveled, but the one that offers a joy that is eternal. Let us pray. God, we thank you that your path may not be the easy one, but it is the good one. And so, Lord, we thank you that we are blessed even if we mourn. 
So today, be with us on this journey as we follow you, as we take our guidance from your steps. Be with us, support us, and sustain us as we travel together by the power of the Holy Spirit. We offer all of these prayers in the name of Christ. Amen.